that's when the feeling of winning it's so powerful and and so meaningful today for me because I saw a team that I feel really identify with. Um, the personality that show in difficult moments how they stick to what they have to do but at the same time they believe the courage uh, and the free mind to just go for it and attack them and, and put them under pressure One very happy man there Mikel Arteta certainly after once again proving our supercomputer wrong uh, this weekend with a good victory for Arsenal over Liverpool as their march towards the potential Premier League title although if you saw our teaser on Twitter Arteta still not wanting to talk about this title race just yet. Joining me on the day-to-day live here on Twitter, on YouTube and on Twitch is Matt Furness and Duncan Alexander to break down what was another great weekend of action, apart from two of the clubs that we support, where it was a pretty miserable weekend for uh, two of us with Reading and Watford suffering defeats. But let's get into the big game of the weekend straight away off the bat. Wickham Wanderers going on the road to Oxford. Big victory there, Duncan. Yeah, massive win. Uh, needed to win that, and now own all uh, image rights for the M40 until the next reverse <laughs> fixture. So, obviously, the the key bit of the game was Alfie Mawson's assist driven across the pitch. One of the best assists you'll see in any division. So, uh, yeah, worth worth checking out. Definitely. Right, let's get back to the Premier League and to the big stuff that uh, ha- occurred. Obviously, Arsenal coming away with that 3-2 victory over Liverpool. Hard fought in some respects. Liverpool really putting up a bit of a battle at times to peg the Gunners back twice. But in the end, the class, I think that Arteta's getting into then, the class and the confidence of this side shone through again. Yeah, they, yeah. Were, they like, took the game to Liverpool yesterday. Um kind of what we expected really they they followed up what they've been doing all season in every game I said last week towards the end of the week that they haven't really been challenged yet the only challenge they did have was the United game which they lost but this was certainly just as big a challenge if not a bigger one against the Liverpool side that they passed quite easily really I think two goals probably flattered Liverpool I think Arsenal could have even had more um, and I just think they were they were brilliant yesterday. They took the game to Liverpool, played exactly how their fans want Arsenal to play. Um, and yeah, they're looking brilliant, looking really good so far. Yeah, I thought obviously we we mentioned at various places last week, um, Liverpool would try and maybe open a bit more cautiously and and <laughs> settle into the game. Mm, they did 58 seconds uh before conceding, so that wasn't ideal. And I think I think the thing Liverpool fans are most angry about is um, is if you look at that uh, momentum chart there, you know, they did fight their way back into it in the first half. Um, you know, got that equaliser, a really good goal from, from Darwin Nunez. But then if you look right at the end of the first half, Arsenal's uh, get the momentum back. And obviously the, the goal that Arsenal scored just before half-time was some ridiculous play from Liverpool, like committing so many men forward. Um, and then getting caught on the break. And obviously, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold was criticised for, for moving out of position, but he was trying to cover, you know, the, Jordan Henderson's lack of pace. And I think one all at half-time, Liverpool could have kind of reset a bit. But they just, you know, they give up so many good chances in, in every game now. And, um, yeah, it's uh, they're in a pretty pretty tough spot. Um, you know, massive week ahead. I think they should be able to beat Rangers, and that should get them pretty much through to the, the knockout stages of the Champions League. Um, but then they've got to play Manchester City next next weekend, and that could be uh, that could be carnage. Yeah, and they're already what fourteen points behind top of the league, so that's already the title out the window, isn't it? Really, we, where we know that. But top four is looking in doubt now, with the the four teams at the top looking so strong, plus Chelsea 
um, and even Newcastle, the new big six. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it was good to hear Martin Tyler using some some up to date during the game. He he mentioned how Liverpool surpassed times trailing this season, um, you know, comp- more than last season already, which is staggering with this number of games in. Um, and yeah, it is. I think they've still got enough to turn it around in terms of top four, but they can't. They can't afford to fall too far behind because uh, this season's very strange as well. Obviously, with the World Cup, we've got another midweek set of games next week. Um, so the games are coming thick and fast. And if you get into a bit of a spiral, then it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah, Belly, if you bring that momentum graphic back up, I think the, one of the turning points in that first half was when Luis Diaz came off. He started to really mm. make an impact around the time you see Liverpool's momentum spike here. And he was getting in behind, finding some really decent spaces, starting to link up quite nicely with Darwin Nunes. And then he came off. And it really nullified that threat going forward that Liverpool had over that 10, 15-minute period. Uh, and Nunez became less impactful because of it as well. Um, it affected his game. So Arsenal definitely took advantage of that. But we, we talk about Liverpool, their inability to see out the first half in that game. Not the first time this season. They've only been winning one game at halftime. And if the Premier League, if all Premier League games ended at halftime, Liverpool would be bottom of the league with four points. Um, obviously, it doesn't end at halftime. But they're giving themselves an uphill battle in every match. Um, and they're not able to turn it around. Yeah, that's why I made them, once again, the, the crisis club of the week. Um, yeah, like you say, bottom of the table if the if games ended at half-time. And, yeah, there's the music. Um, weekend. So, um, yeah, it's looking, it's looking really tough for them. Yeah, let's just have a, a little dive into Jurgen Klopp's post-match press conference because he has himself admitted in it that the title race is coming to an end. But obviously, Matt alluded to this new system that they sort of tried to implement uh, over the last couple of weeks. But already Klopp seemingly still happy to go with it, but he knows he's got some challenges ahead. No, not about that. Not about that. I think the goals we conceded um, had nothing to do with the system. Uh that we have to get used to it a bit more is normal as well. Can we play it again? I don't know, because we lost today one important part of it. Um, so we have to see what, who is available uh, for the next game. But um, do I have deeper concerns? Yes, of course, I'm not happy. How can I? Um, your colleague from TalkSport told me now uh, he knows me just happy all the time and making jokes. So I'm not sure exactly which, uh, which type. Uh, which Jürgen Klopp, he knows, but um, we are obviously neither in the mood for jokes nor happy. Uh, we are um, in a in a tough in a tough moment, and we want to get through this together, and that's what we are working on. Never a good sign when a manager's using the word "tough moment." Uh, you can do sort of the the cast of doom sometimes across clubs, but. He looks a little lost at the moment, I think. And like I mean, one thing we've spoken about is the fact that their, their team is one of the oldest at the moment in the Premier League and maybe the depth isn't there as well because they've have many issues. And I thought this was quite a, a, an interesting graphic that uh, you guys put together on the Ops on our Twitter account over the weekend, basically showing that, yeah, right now Liverpool got the third average, uh, third oldest average age starting 11. And you compare that to Arsenal, who have uh, the second youngest at the moment. And it really does kind of, Bode the question, I have to say, are, are we kind of seeing the passing of the torch at the moment between Liverpool and Arsenal and that Arsenal are now going to be the official 
challenges to City's dominance in this league. Yeah, and I think like yesterday's game looked like a match where Liverpool's legs were three or four years older than Arsenal's. They they struggled. But the thing I find funny about Liverpool is kind of like everyone saying what a great team they are and how special they've been and one of the best Premier League teams ever. It won one title, that team. And it's well you can't consider it a great Premier League side. They they've got over ninety points years. in three in three seasons. So they just happen to, you know, find a Manchester City team doing just slightly better in each of those. So, you know, they I think in terms of sustained like before they lost ridiculously to Watford in the year they did win the title. Um they what did, you said yesterday that they had like a rolling yeah uh, game of like two point five six or two point six over thirty eight games, which is better than any team's ever done in top flight history. So I think it was as high as two point nine five. <laughs> They'd only dropped two points in that thirty eight mm. games, something like that. So it was ridiculous. They they had a ridiculous run, but great teams sustain that over three or four seasons. Well, yeah, but if you look at that team what three years ago, then you look at the players who are struggling at the moment and they were three years younger. That's how time works. Um, but, you know, Van Dyke, Henderson, um, Matip, they were they were all younger and, and probably stronger. And, and Liverpool have kind of allowed their, their their core of their team to age quite a lot at the same time. And, and I think that's the issue is that they their recruitment was great sort of four, five, six years ago, but they kind of... It hasn't been as good in the last couple of years, and obviously they they have started to change that this year, bringing in, um, you know, like Fabio Carvalho is obviously really young, and and uh, Nunes is obviously young, but coming into his into his prime. But if you let that drift too much, it can it can take a long time to turn around. We've seen it with other Premier League teams, and that's why you constantly have to. That's what Alex Ferguson was great at Manchester United was getting rid of players possibly before they were finished, but so he could keep refreshing the team. So. Indeed. Well, one man who isn't worried about his recruitment at the moment is uh, Pep Guardiola. Again, another victory for City this weekend over Southampton, although he um, did have one thing to complain about this weekend's action. Yeah, but I'm so upset with him. He didn't score three goals. So... Suck him. That's why That's why the petition to to suck him for the Premier League, because the robot, that is not going to happen. So it's nice. Yeah, Southampton doing a bit of a job there, managing to keep Erling Haaland to just one goal. We'll have a listen to uh, Ralph Hassan Hootal in a minute because he did break down how his Southampton try tried to stop uh, the threat of Erling Haaland. But again, another positive day for City, really. 4-0, job done. Shake the hands on. We go to the next challenge, really. Yeah, I mean, what's that? Eight or nine games in a row, home games in a row now where they've scored three or more goals. It's uh, one of the best runs we've ever seen. Southampton got a corner, one corner at the end of the game, which their fans were excited about, saying we've got a corner. So, um, you know, I think 4-0 is probably a pretty good result, really, given some of Southampton's trip uh, around the country recently. So, I mean, I think it's interesting. Phil Foden, um, you know, he's had, uh, what's he had? Four fewer shots or three fewer shots than Mohamed Salah this season. But he's got six goals and, and Salah's only on two. So, I think we're possibly seeing the first season where he's really kind of, you know, cementing his place as one of the senior senior players in both the team and, and the league. But um yeah, I mean it's funny, isn't it? City unbeaten, can't stop scoring, have a robot up front, and yet they're still not top of the league. And um, you know, I tweeted last night that, you know, Arsenal have got eight wins out of nine. Um 
which is pretty good. Most teams, you know, would, would take that. But the last two teams that haven't won the league after starting like that um, were Arsenal uh, in 2007-08 and Arsenal in 2004-05. So they have blown this sort of position before and um, with City just lurking behind them, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But on that XG shot map you just showed there as well, look, to, to see the amount of shots that Manchester City have in that area inside the box, like mm. no shot from outside the box apart from that one just on the edge. Like When you've got a player like Haaland and you know that you're creating that many chances inside the box, um, like it's just scary to think about how many goals he could end up with this season. To have 20 already in all competitions, what, mid not even mid-November, um, October. October, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine having 15 goals already at this point in the season. Like Some people would say that that was a, a, would be considered a very good season for him, but, you know, well, already at that point. Gabriel Jesus' best season at, at City was 14 goals. Now, I know that they don't, they're not the same player and Jesus was, you know, not the kind of relentless focal point of, of the attack. But even so, you know, it's interesting. Not The top scorer in the Premier League doesn't usually win the title. Um, so I think that could change this season. But, um, or maybe not. Maybe Haaland's going to get, you know, 90 goals, but come second. Um, but with City, it's kind of like, it's not, they're getting so many goals other than Haaland as well, aren't they? That's the thing, like other players are scoring. I think the one time it usually gets worrying is when you've got a player like Haaland, but no one else getting those goals. Maybe like a Mitrovic at Fulham or I wouldn't say a Kane at Spurs because you've got Kane and Son as well. But normally, yeah, you see one player uh, stand out in the goals going routes for a team, but it isn't happening in this City team. Yeah, let's just have a listen to uh, Southampton manager for now, Ralph Hassan Hutel about what he had, what he tried to do and his side tried to do to stop the threat of, ha of Haaland. Now, the problem is that um, even if he's not uh, immediately scoring, you have to, to, to be aware of him much more, I think. And then the centre-backs are a little bit more fixed in the centre and then they cannot slide so good. I think this makes it a little bit harder for us than to press. You have to be very brave if you want to do it. We had in the first half two scenes where we didn't slide and then they play so quick and then there's immediately a big goal chance. I think it was also the first chance from, from Erling where he was there. It is better to be early there and go early because anyway, it's hard to defend. So this is the way we tried it today and it worked. Yeah, and sometimes it works quite well, but not always. Yeah, it'd be interesting to really break this down and see. Southampton did try and press City at times, um, which, you know, with the talent in that City squad, feels uh, potentially suicidal. I, I don't want to use any other word for it because, as you say, they're the talent that can expose so much. But maybe that is the solution, that actually meet fire with fire and try and put City under pressure and see them create errors uh, and rather than allow them to get comfortable and get and get where they want to be. It's just yeah, possibly, but they still won four 0 and you know Harlan didn't particularly play particularly well. And De Bruyne, I mean De Bruyne didn't have one of his great games, but he still um, got his ninety fifth Premier League assist, um, ninety four of them for City, which means he's now ahead of David Silva. Um, you know it's inevitable, but he'll be at hundred before long. Um, only four players have ever reached that, as you can see: Lampard, Rooney, Fabregas, and uh, Ryan Giggs is well up front on 162. I mean, could could De Bruyne break that? Everyone's obviously focusing on Shearer's goal record these days, but you know, depends how many seasons he's got left, I guess. But I think that, as I said the other day, I think he's definitely 
a good shout to break the 20 assist record this season. So. Yeah. Was well, on nine now already this season, I think, in the Premier League. So, very good chance. But we saw Salah last season reach double figures really quickly in the season. And then AFCON came around and he pieced yeah. out a little towards the end of the season as well. With goal involvements, he looked like he was going to smash that one um, as well. So, yeah, a long way to go. But you know that City are going to keep getting goals and the main source of the assist is probably going to come via Kevin De Bruyne. I reckon he could even hit 25 this season. Yeah, let's have a listen to Pep Guardiola. He spoke about uh, Kevin De Bruyne and, uh, dare I say it, Duncan Alexander and Kevin De Bruyne, uh, sorry, Duncan Alexander and Pep Guardiola next door to each other have the same opinion on uh, Kevin De Bruyne's performance. About a lot of things, yeah. No, exactly. I, to be fair, I feel like I'm talking to it's just a mm. you feel like you're the one who went to advanced hair studio, unlike uh, Pep Guardiola. But, wow. uh, <laughs> Good name. Anyway. Yeah, someone has to because Shane Warne's contract's gone. So anyway, let's have a listen to what Pep uh, has got to say about Kevin De Bruyne. This threat, this guy like making movements in behind with this pace uh, helps a lot. And Kevin make uh, again three or four assists, but uh, he can play better. He can play better. Today was not uh, the best Kevin that we know, but of course for himself he can put his mates in front of the keeper most of the time but uh, he was not really in the positions like uh, we should find him and so good but could do better i think is pep guardiola's feedback there but yeah as you see, he went on to say that it's not just harland you've got so much as matt's kind of alluded to as well they've got so many other options now in behind there where including julian alvarez who i still think will have a good point at some point in this campaign but uh, <laughs> the man is going to be top goal scorer this season in the premier league yeah. I still think I still I still think he's going to take down Jesus. I mean, it's not. Well, I said Jesus. Yeah, that's not happening. We all know it's going to be Haaland. So, yeah. I mean, it's not the worst take we've seen about top scorers in the Premier League this season anywhere on the internet. So uh, anyway, <laughs> right. Uh, let's roll on from that one pretty sharpest because it was a another record breaking week. Well, not record breaking, but a milestone marking moment for one of the great players of world football as Cristiano Ronaldo netted his 700th club goal over the weekend uh, and as you can imagine after the match both managers after united 2-1 victory over everton uh, we're happy to pass on their regards that is really impressive when you score 700 goals uh, that is uh, it's a huge performance and i'm really happy for him uh, i congratulate him you know when he was on 699 i wanted him to score in the europa league the other night because he could feel what might come at the weekend and then he comes on, comes on because Martial's got a problem. Sometimes those things happen in football. But um, you have to, in the cold light of day, I'll give him huge credit for that. It's amazing. In the cold light of day, your microphone was terrible as well. Yeah, Cut <laughs> from that mic. <laughs> it was great to see the first uh, Lampard transition, though, on the day-to-day live that we've ever had as well. Really good. <laughs> Go between the two there. But, yeah, I mean, again, Everton have been sneakily... Becoming a bit of a challenging side. I mean, Alex Moby's goal to, to start that game was a sensational strike that, and, and Everton did cause their problems, but two big turnovers, and there's no other way of describing it from Everton, really just allowed United to hit on the counter. And dare I say it, you saw the young and the old with Anthony and Ronaldo netting goals in very similar fashions. Yeah, Ronaldo, I mean, that goal was always going to come eventually, wasn't it? The 700. Um, it's probably better for him and United that's got out of the way because, uh, it would have been one of those ones where you feel that sometimes United might be giving him a bit of a charity appearance like they did in the Europa League just to try and get that goal where everyone was trying to set him up. But his goal yesterday was like vintage Ronaldo really breaking away and hitting it 
so hard, really, between the goalkeeper, uh, goalkeeper's legs. Um, talking about the goalkeeper, I genuinely thought we were going to see a goalkeeper goal at the end yesterday. Mm. Uh, when Pickford came up for a corner, he looked like really? a man possessed uh, at the corner, well, throwing himself at everything. So. Sometimes when keepers come up for corners, they just get in the way, but he actually did make a, a bit of a difference. So, I mean, Jordan Pickford's going to go would be tremendous. There was that one a few weeks ago, wasn't there, Belly? Plymouth the Ipswich, the Ipswich keeper. Wasn't he a Plymouth fan as well? Plymouth. Came up for a corner in injury time and hit the bar. Correct. Right yeah. Plymouth fan as a kid all the way through, family all in the ground playing for Ipswich. And uh, yeah, he, he rattled a header off the crossbar or, or such like in the last We've seen was Dieng at uh, QPR scored at Sunderland this season in the championship, come up for a corner of a header. Um, I can't recall many seasons where you've had more than one goalkeeper goal in the EFL. So uh, who knows? Might might expect another. Team's getting desperate and going, sending goalkeepers forward. It's the next paradigm. Um, I mean, we should give a shout out to Anthony. I mean, he's the first player in Manchester United's Premier League history to score in his first three appearances. So obviously people made a lot of the possibly slightly inflated transfer fee they paid late on in the window. But you can't really ask for, for a better start than that. And he, you know, he's kind of done more in a few weeks, and I guess Jaden Sancho has in a year and a bit. So, um, yeah, and like you say, Betty, you know, the the gap between them. I mean, that was Ronaldo's 700th goal, as, as we all know, but that was 20 years and two days after his first goal. So, I mean, 20 years is, uh, is a long time. So, um, yeah, fair play. With United as well, since that debacle against Brentford when they lost 4-0, They've won seven of their nine competitive games. One of those was the defeat. So one of the defeats in them was that away at Man City, which is no disgrace, really, although it was a fairly disgraceful performance in the first half. Um, and then the other was a 1-0 home defeat in the Europa League against Sociedad. So they have turned the tide, I would say, since that defeat. What, seven wins is, is nothing to yeah. really be like, negative yeah. about. It? I think that they are exceeding possibly what people expected of United at this stage last season. Ten Hag seems to have got Rashford and Martial mm. firing again. Um, there are a couple of areas where you think that maybe if they can reinforce in January with a couple of signings that they could probably cement that top four position. But yeah, I, I think that obviously we know Arsenal are doing really well at the moment, but over time, I, I reckon that they might lose way a little bit. I still think they'll finish in the top four. Um, but I think United could easily sneak a, a second-place finish this season. Wow, going up as high as that. That's quite a... I think, that's quite... Well, I think it's all to play for. I think that you've got the... I don't think Chelsea were going to do it under Tuchel, but I think under Potter they could. Mm. You've got Spurs under Conte. You never really know how they're going to do, but I feel like he will take them into that top four. So it's you could you could say any of those four teams other than Liverpool in the big six could finish second. I'm just not, yeah, not thinking Liverpool are going to do it. And I don't think Newcastle are quite there yet. <laughs> I mean, on Port- Everton have now lost 38 Premier League games against Manchester United, which is, that's a whole season. Um, imagine a season where you watch your team play one other team over and over again and you lose every game. Um, wouldn't be the final. It felt like they basically played Man City, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Um, yeah, so I think it's all to play for. I think United, the thing with United this year is that they are, they're a work in progress still, but they do actually have a manager who, you know, commands a bit of respect and they're doing what he tells them to, which pretty much wasn't the case last season. So, um, 
yeah, it's definitely a cautious improvement, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. It feels like it's going to be a slow burn. I think, I think the trouble is you've got a United fans who are just wanting instant success right now. This is a slow burning United side. This very much has a little bit of the Arteta Arsenal feel. A couple of seasons mm. of just grinding through the gears to get your culture and get everything in place. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, let's not, for, let's not forget, you know, Klopp came into Liverpool and, yeah, they got to the Europa League final in his first season, but they were rubbish in the league, pretty much. You know, Guardiola didn't win the Premier League in his first season uh, at City and they barely qualified for the Champions League that year as well. So, it does take time to, to do this. Now, you know, I know the it's United been weird been here time. Giving managers more than three months. Being a Watford nah. fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't um, Beal at QPR is now the eleventh longest-serving manager in the, in Championship, and he's joined this summer. So, uh, yeah, that division loves a loves a hatchet. I think he might I think Bruce is the eighth eighth to go already this season yeah. in the Championship. It's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. just desperate for success. I mean, we still got what. Billick's going to walk in what a week or about a month or Billick, so. Billick has already lost more as many league games as Rob Edwards did. Mm. He's been in charge for what ten days, something like that. And that's no <laughs> fault of his own. We've had a lot of injuries, <laughs> and we have got a dreadful squad. So. <laughs> so, talking of sacked managers, we should probably give a shout out to a club that have decided just to not have a manager, which is Bournemouth. Obviously, got rid of Scott yeah. Parker weeks <laughs> yeah. ago. Gary O'Neill has. Not lost the game as manager. They're now two points above Liverpool, who they lost 9-0 to, which precipitated the, the sacking. But their numbers are bizarre. They've got barely four XG this season, which is like four, like at least four fewer than any other club. And yet they've got 12 points. Their points to XG ratio is the most off-the-charts thing I've ever seen. So it's not sustainable, perhaps, but, you know, they're picking up points. That... points on the board, yeah. That's the exactly. Thing. So... You know, I think there'll be a lot of established Premier League clubs who will look at Fulham and Bournemouth. I know Fulham have lost the last couple, but they're both kind of in mid-table. And that's quite concerning because I think a lot of people felt that all three promoted teams were in danger this season of going straight back down. But if two of them are, you know, picking up points here and there, then, you know, that's warning signs for, for some fairly big clubs at the other end of the table. Obviously, Forest are playing tonight, but that's quite interesting that the three promoted clubs are the two the, the clubs that have the fewest open play xg this season as well mm. um i think well mitrovic is injured isn't he for fulham i don't know how long he's going to be out for but they're not they're, too bad their um style of play will definitely be hampered by him not being there but yeah with gary o'neill you feel that as soon as if they were to give him the job and suddenly the results will be rubbish again. It's always that way with caretaker managers, isn't it? <laughs> just don't give, just never give him the job. Just keep him the same. Yeah, that is the golden rule of football. I've seen it so many times where a caretaker does well, and they're like, "What? Give give him a chance. He, he knows the club." And as soon as it's permanent, it, yeah, it like, what did you do evaporate. that for? <laughs> evaporates. Um, it's known as the Neil Smiley paradigm in, in football circles. <laughs> Oh, great Le Reading legends to be mentioned there. Uh, I just actually wanted to bring up, uh, for those of you who are watching us across YouTube, uh, Twitch and Twitter, um, we sure saw the Open Play XG for this is the Open Play XG against. And having mentioned that the four promoted clubs, well, three promoted clubs, sorry, we're not in the uh, 1990s anymore. Um, the three promoted clubs were at the bottom in terms of Open Play for XG. Look at it against uh, Bournemouth, definitely up there, Fulham, definitely up there, Nottingham Forest up there. So at some point you might see the pendulum 
come back into the middle a little bit and maybe some of these early success. Now, by all means, some of that is not helped by some of the defeats Bournemouth had earlier this season. Uh, but yeah, yeah, might see a comeback round. Yeah, feel for Bournemouth a little bit that game. I mean, it's a pretty established way of staying up. I mean, Hull, when they came up the first time, did just enough that obviously they famously won away at Spurs and Arsenal in the autumn and and, and basically you know did nothing in the second half of the season but had enough just to stay up. Blackpool nearly did that but but did go down. Um robbing us of another season of Gary Taylor Fletcher in the in the top flight. But um so yeah I think it you know everyone talks about the the you know people focus on the end of the season in terms of form but just get as many you know harvest as many points as you can in the autumn and then just hang on for dear life. Well, it's, the, the comparison that was coming in my head was the one they kept banging on about in the NFL this weekend, in that if you, you're behind in games such like, go for the two-point conversion early rather than later on because it takes the pressure off. It's kind of the same here. Mm-hmm. Get your points on the board early doors. It means if you have a bad run in March, April time, it's not the end of the world. You've already got the points in the hutch. You've just got to make sure you've got enough points in the in hutch. In the and, hutch? What sort of term yeah, that is that? A disgraceful term. Well, you pull rabbits <laughs> out of hatches. So, out of, out of hats. Hat. I think where this is mental health day, and clearly mine's just shot at the moment. So. But where, um, like you're talking about points there and gaining points as well. But if you have that by the January transfer window, if you're in a better position there as well, you're able mm. to strengthen. Players will want to join you. If you're right down in the bottom and not looking like you could stay up, no one else is going to want to join you for a year in the championship next year. So that's why it's really important to get that first half of the season under your belt. Well, what Nottingham Forest going to do in January? <laughs> Boggles the mind, isn't it? But, yeah, yeah, especially with Cooper staying. It's going to be... That, dare I say, that's as much as been many bizarre stories across football weekend. Steve Cooper getting an extension through to 2025. I can only assume there's some fairly decent clauses in there that at some point, if mm. they need to if they need to reverse ferret on there, they can. Because it I just... Yeah, he's very popular with... Before yeah, like sorry, about the popularity Brent. points in the Premier League that keeps you in the tape, it, it keeps you up. Like, maybe it was a David Brent kind of thing where Should he was be. just like, just don't let me go, <laughs> I'll work for free, I'll do anything. Name, call no, me you're being, no, he's he's <laughs> like, think where Forest were a year ago and, and where they are now. I know, I, you know, Keeper's done an amazing job, but don't. he clearly doesn't want half the players that have been brought in there. That's unsettled the whole squad, like Emmanuel Dennis. A fine example, really talented player, great at Watford last season. I think, what, 16 goal involvements for a, a terrible side. Um, and he's played, what, 75 minutes for Forest so far mm. this season. He's been on the bench unused, etc. Definitely good enough in terms of talent to be there, but I don't think Cooper wanted him. Doesn't really feel that he fits that system. And it's just the danger of having quite an overbearing owner who makes it or gets other people to make decisions and you're a head coach but I'm I'm getting into Watford territory here again. <laughs> very dangerous land, very very dangerous land. The one thing I just I did spot this over the weekend which I thought was an it was an absolute belter of an, an insight ahead of tonight's game between Forest and Villa. So Forest have won just one of their 10 games against Aston Villa in the Premier League. Their one win came in October 1994 when the referee was Keith Cooper, father of Nottingham Forest manager Steve Cooper. I thought that was quite a nice little... His dad was the ref. His dad was the ref the only time Forrest had beaten Villa in the Premier League. Explains a lot. He's not the ref tonight, though. 
Well, uh, well, well, but hang on here. You know, like I, a wrestling style entrance. Well, I, this is what I'm, <laughs> I'm not, You wait. A little bit of cramp in the lino. A little bit of cramp goes down. The call goes Jimmy out. Hill we, special. We a, yeah, we need a referee in the crowd. Keith's got the kit in the car. Just come on, lads. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, what's your name? Keith. Surname? Don't worry about that. Mooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you any relation? Nah. Nah, all good. I'll, uh, I'll do the game. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd take great delight in giving penalties against you know my son's team. So I don't think it should be banned. It should be fine. Be one of those dads that's o- overtly fair to the opposition, just to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to be accused of nepotism here. I'm sending my son off. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Intimidated by the opposition fans. Yeah. Just get off the pitch, son. Just, I'm sending you off. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I'll explain later. <laughs> we'll talk about it on the way home. <laughs> Many a doubt, as a junior. <laughs> right then, uh, I think that's it for today's episode of the Day to Day Life. Lots to dive into. Didn't even get into. I wanted to chat about Aaron Ramsdale as well. I thought he had a superb weekend. And like, as we're rolling in towards World Cup time, has he been doing enough in the Arsenal net that maybe he becomes England number one? Maybe that's something we dive into. Not coming forward to corners though, is he? So. No, exactly. Pickford, dual threat. Pickford's I mean, great. Pickford is the one, you know, arguably the one thing you can count on the England team these days. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think we've got enough Nick Pope in the uh, UEFA Nations League that he's not the answer. Yeah, Ramsdale should be number two, I think. But yeah, Pickford <laughs> is is the main man, and rightly so. There we go. Well, we discussed it and it took a minute rather than, you know, five minutes and <laughs> terrible puns along the way. Anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening, watching, wherever you are. Really do appreciate it. Don't forget to head over to theanalyst.com for all the latest data-driven storytelling. And of course, visit us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. We are on all of them as at Opta Analyst. But for now, happy Mental Health Day to each and every one of you. On behalf of Matt, on behalf of Duncan, thanks very much for tuning in today, guys. Lovely to see you as ever. And hopefully we will see you on Friday. Bye-bye.